This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. I came into the Washington Bureau today to record this podcast already having too much stuff. And now, having gone through all kinds of websites and sources of news, information, and entertainment, I really got too much stuff. But we'll get through it. Uh, It's Friday. That means I hope everybody's got a good weekend coming up, weekend before Thanksgiving. Uh, Media Buzz is a moving target, as usual, for Sunday morning on Fox uh, 11 Eastern. I should know the time by now. Uh, Yesterday... I let off, even before I got to the top five stories, with this story about TikTok, which is it just making my blood boil. I was really riled up yesterday, and I've been thinking about it, and I think my reaction was understated. This, of course, is um, as a result of The Guardian publishing a 21-year-old letter from Osama bin Laden— It's not new, been available all that time, one of the worst mass murderers in history. A bunch of young people made videos about, oh, you know, America's really a terrorist nation. I didn't know this. Wow, this is an existential crisis for me. Well, TikTok has now taken steps since we last spoke to banish these videos to delete them and also disable any search for bin Laden letter. The White House put out a statement. There is never a justification for spreading the evil, repugnant, and anti-Semitic lies of the leader of Al-Qaeda. This is Al-Qaeda we're talking about. Issued just after committing the worst terrorist attack in American history, highlighting them as his direct motivation for murdering 2,977 innocent Americans. Now, the New York Times says that on Wednesday night, this has been before TikTok took its action, more than a dozen Jewish TikTok creators, celebrities, confronted TikTok executives um, and others in a video call, lasted for 90 minutes, joined by such people as Sasha Baron Cohen, Deborah Messing, and Amy Schumer. It was led by TikTok's head of operations. And basically, the Jewish celebrities were saying, clean up your act. They were pointing to uh, comments like, Hitler was right, or I hope you end up like Anne Frank. Sasha Baron Cohen said, what is happening at TikTok is... It is creating the biggest anti-Semitic movement since the Nazis. Meanwhile, another story that I led with at the top, it was sort of a one-two punch, had to do with Elon Musk endorsing as the, quote, actual truth, um, a post on Twitter which said that 
Jewish communities have a hatred for white people. And he backtracked and, oh, I'm not saying all Jewish communities, so some Jewish communities do. So this is hurting uh, Twitter in the advertising arena where it's already suffering. IBM saying yesterday it will no longer advertise on X because of Elon Musk's tweets. The new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, this was just unearthed. This is not Mike Johnson 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when he was just starting out saying things that many people would find offensive and perhaps unacceptable today. This is just a few short weeks ago, October 3rd, which is shortly before he seemingly came out of nowhere to be named Speaker of the House. The only question is, said Johnson, is God going to allow our nation to enter a time of judgment for our collective sins? Or is he going to give us one more chance? The culture is so dark and depraved that it almost seems irredeemable. So the new Republican Speaker of the House says America's culture is depraved. I don't agree. I think there's a lot of problems in America. There's a lot of division in America. There's a lot of hate in America. But this whole, like, you deserved it because we've moved away from God, I just, I don't buy into it. And depraved is certainly not a word I would use. Okay, Senator Joe Manchin, in an interview with NBC, said, we would lose democracy as we know it if Donald Trump returns to the White House. So why is he at the same time considering a run for president, if he does it in the end, that would almost ensure that Donald Trump will be in the White House again by siphoning votes from Joe Biden. Oh, here's a new poll. New Hampshire. It's a Washington Post poll of New Hampshire voters. 46%, this is on the Republican side, support Trump. 18% support Nikki Haley. So she surged into second place. That's the good news for her. Bad news for her, the two numbers I just uh, read, Chris Christie, 11%, and Vivek Ramaswamy, 8%. Ron DeSantis at 7% in this poll. Now, look, Ron DeSantis has basically put all his chips on Iowa, where the more conservative and evangelical voters are a more hospitable territory for him. New Hampshire, not so much. You know, I talked about this, and I've talked about it on... uh, my show on television as well, just this tragic, awful situation where a 69-year-old man named Paul Kessler was killed uh, in a Los Angeles suburb by a pro-Palestinian protester or at such a protest. The County medical examiner ruled it a homicide, and now a suspect has been arrested. A 50-year-old man who is a computer science professor. The charge, involuntary manslaughter. In other words, didn't mean to kill him, but when he smacked him in the head with a megaphone and the guy fell down and hit his head. This was the story that the NBC had the headline, uh, uh, he died from hitting head. I mean, wow, 
Wowza. But the, a bigger wowza is the fact that this is a college, a computer science professor. So presumably a learned man engaging in this violence. Unbelievable. Uh, Wall Street Journal broke the story and CNN is uh, either afterwards or at the same time. That President Biden is not expected to be charged in the um, special counsel's investigation of his handling of classified documents. Supposedly, no one will be charged. I mean, this was expected. I mean, Biden is going to be the subject, apparently, according to these reports, of a, of a critical special counsel's report. But since there's no uh, uh, flouting of subpoenas and things of that nature, there's not going to be any criminal charges. Which Donald Trump was not happy about. I'll read Trump's uh, response later when I get to uh, the Trump segment. It's like a standing segment. I should just have it. Trump trials or whatever. All, also, just wrapping up these uh, the litigation here. David DePape convicted of assaulting, trying to kidnap. Nancy Pelosi's husband, there's no way he wouldn't have been convicted. As I said yesterday, he confessed on the stand. He said, yeah, I did it. He didn't contest the facts. Also, yes, I know, I'm already getting out of breath. Uh, Charissa Thompson, host of Thursday Night Football, admitted that she used to fabricate quotes when she was a sideline reporter. She appeared on the Pardon My Take podcast. She said, there's a reason I'm no longer a sideline reporter. You do all this work and you only get 15 or 20 seconds. Okay, that's fine. I would make up the report sometimes. This is her saying it, you know, on the record. Because, A, the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late and I was like, I didn't want to screw up the report. So I was like, I'm just going to make this up. She says, well, coaches often say the same thing. So if I say hey, we need to stop hurting ourselves, we need to be better on third down, we need to stop turning the ball over, they're not going to correct me on that. So I'm like, it's fine. I'll just make up the report. Okay, am I one of the only sports fans in America who thinks that this is awful, this is a fabrication, this is a journalistic sin, even though she confesses to it with a bit of humor? Maybe, I don't know. All right, story number one. George Santos clinging by a thread to his House seat, because now we have the House Ethics Committee investigation, which says he violated a litany of guidelines, rules, and criminal laws. This is a blistering report. And Santos now says he will not run for re-election. He's never gone that far before. So he only has this term by his own account, He's also got this other problem, which is criminal indictment. But the people who cover the Hill seem to think that while an earlier uh, effort to expel this fabricating freshman congressman from Long Island failed, that with this report, uh, they'll do it after Thanksgiving, that enough Republicans and Democrats will want Santos out of the House. Um, this warrants public condemnation uh, has brought severe discredit upon the House as part of the report. 
among the sins here are, not that anybody is amazed, because some of his um, people who worked, a couple of people who worked on his campaign have already pleaded guilty, uh, stealing money from his campaign, deceiving donors about how their contributions would be used, creating fake loans, engaging in fraudulent business dealings, using money that was supposed to be for the campaign for his personal enrichment, including going to the spa. And what else did he do here? Going to the spa. Oh, um, going on OnlyFans. I'll leave it to the imagination. And Botox. Yeah, maybe Botox is a requirement for members of Congress who want to look good, right? But here's what happened. Santos would not cooperate with the committee at all, wouldn't speak. Now that the report's out, he's calling it a disgusting politicized smear. I mean, this thing has all kinds of documents and other evidentiary material. Well, how can you not cooperate and then say, oh, this is all a bunch of BS? He was given the opportunity to submit a written statement. Didn't do it. Now he's smearing them, you could argue. Sought to fraudulently exploit every aspect of his House candidacy for his own personal financial profit. And this goes on and on and on. Um, He claimed that he... Uh, used his own money to lend money to the campaign, but he was broke at various points. This is a consulting company called Redstone, founded by Santos under the guise of being an outside group helping with his election campaign. But Redstone was not registered with the FEC. Documents showed thousands of dollars from Redstone were transferred to one of Santos's personal checking accounts. This stuff ain't that complicated, folks. This is called, allegedly, according to the House Ethics Committee, stealing money, misleading donors, spending it on whatever other stuff. Oh, a $4,000 perch at Hermes, if I pronounce that correctly. Um, so one of the Congress members who was a part of this ethics panel will, according to a source, file a motion to expel George Santos today. But then, you know, they're going to break for Thanksgiving and probably vote on it um, when they come back. I mean, you know, the media have just loved beating up on Santos because he just told more and more and more outrageous lies and fabrications. I mean, going back to the original New York Times story, which came too late, it had already been elected, and there was a Long Island paper that, Published some of this and nobody paid attention. Nobody. Um, it almost seems beyond dispute. Using donors' credit cards to spend thousands of dollars. And of course, he pleaded not guilty. But other stuff, claiming he's the grandson of Holocaust survivors, that he worked at companies, these are the big Wall Street firms that never employed him. The original story said that he didn't graduate from the colleges that he said he graduated from. And then he claimed to be on the volleyball team of one of those colleges because you have to, you know, show that you're a sportsman. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. 
I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Story number two. What I like about this story, this column in Politico by Rich Lowry, is it begins, the headline is, What I Got Wrong about Vivek Ramaswamy. Look, I'm a sucker for what I got wrong pieces because it shows that somebody has the intellectual honesty to say, hey, I thought this, and now this no longer appears to be true. In fact, the opposite appears to be true. So what has soured Mr. Lowry on Vivek? He has succeeded on his own terms in this race, but that doesn't make the enterprise any less tawdry and unworthy. Okay, we're in the not pulling punches phase. Uh, He's become famous, or at least B-list presidential candidate famous. Uh, This is good for the future of the podcast he launched and other potential media gigs and ventures. The price has been cheapening himself and making a mockery of the process. Ramaswamy isn't campaigning to be president so much as he's running to be Charlie Kirk, the Turning Points USA star was built an empire on MAGA-ish provocations. Ramaswamy's boosters can say he's gone further than a former vice president and a sitting U.S. senator, which is true. But at the same time, Ramaswamy just didn't worry about any self-respect. He has sounded as pro-Trump as Trump's own children invade against an establishment that barely exists, played footsie with conspiracy theories and courted controversies, both righteous and stupid, to gain the attention of the base of the party. He exudes, these are Rich Lowry's words, I think when you say I was wrong, you really got to come in with a hammer, right? He exudes such an aura of insincerity, you have the distinct feeling that if neoconservatism was still in fashion, He'd eagerly out Cheney, Liz Cheney. I'm not the only one on this stage with the guts and integrity to bomb Iran on day one. He's a follower, not a leader. He desperately wants to be part of a pact, not of his own creation. He takes his cues from uh, MAGA opinions on social media. And, oh wait, he's not done. So uh, at the last debate... He attacked the chair of the RNC, Ronna McDaniel. And she said, oh, you know, he's low in the polls. He needs to get attention. To go after her and not Trump is simply cowardly. This thing is heating up. Even if McDaniel deserves an outside share of the blame for recent Republican losses, uh, she got her job as a creature of Trump and has been extremely deferential to his interests. But... A plank of Ramaswamy's campaign is to avoid criticizing Trump at almost all costs. Uh, Rich says, I thought a few months ago there'd be be a Vivek moment. This is where he kind of alludes to the previous column where he thought maybe Vivek Ramaswamy was a refreshing voice. Interesting, a good debater, certainly, but it never materialized. He's gotten a lot of media attention, yes but he has remained in single digits in the polls. This is in part because he came off as a smarmy jerk in the first debate. 
He reversed course in the second debate to show a little modesty. And then he doubled down on obnoxiousness in the third debate. That doesn't work unless you're Trump. Oh, uh, earlier I was going to, because I had it on a different page, give you Donald Trump's reaction on Truth Social to this reported news that hasn't happened yet that the special counsel at DOJ investigating Biden's uh, retention of classified documents not going to be charged, according to two different news organizations. Wow, says Trump. Fake news CNN, through a leak from the Department of Injustice, has just reported that no charges will be filed in the much bigger than mine crooked Joe Biden documents case. We are living in a very corrupt country. There we have it. Number three, let's turn to the war. So the big story continues to be the hospital, the largest hospital in Gaza, which Israeli troops stormed a couple days ago. And I mentioned yesterday how they found AK-47s and grenades and uniforms and other military equipment. Now, 48 hours later, the Israeli military escorted New York Times journalists, I don't know if there were others, through a landscape of wartime destruction to a stone and concrete shaft on its grounds with a staircase descending into the earth. Evidence, the Israelis say, of a Hamas military facility under the hospital. So that was the thing that was missing. Were there any tunnels? Did they use it as a base, a hospital with sick and wounded patients uh, patients using it as a base? The colonel who uh, led this said that they haven't, that Israeli forces haven't descended down this staircase to see what else is there because they fear booby traps. And they're also concerned that some hostages might be down there. So it was unclear, says the Times, how, where the shaft led or how deep it went. The military said it sent a drone down at least several meters. There was electrical wiring, a metal staircase. So it doesn't settle the question. I mean, you know, look, they had, they had ammo and weapons behind the MRI machine. That settles the question for me, but the Times says, oh, the question's not settled. Also... Sheer coincidence, I'm sure. Israeli soldiers have recovered, sadly and tragically, the bodies of two hostages kidnapped during the Hamas-led attack on October 7th from buildings near the Al-Shifa hospital complex in Gaza City. Now, they just happened to be there, right? Or maybe they were rushed out of the hospital where they had been held. So, sad news, heartbreaking for their families, heartbreaking for all of us. Uh, A little addendum here. Speaking about what sympathies reporters may have for Hamas. More than three dozen reporters and editors, more than three dozen at the Los Angeles Times, have, according to the website Semaphore, been banned from covering Israel's bombing campaign in Gaza and war with Hamas after they signed an open letter condemning, quote, Israel's killing of journalists and calling on newsrooms to refer to Israel's actions as genocide. Uh, Semaphore saying that the staffers who signed the letter have been told by the paper's management they will not be allowed to cover the conflict in any way for at least three months. Why at least three months? Why not permanently? I mean, look, 
I understand people have strong opinions. The poetry editor of the New York Times just quit saying she doesn't like the way the paper is covering this. But if you're a journalist, you cannot sign this kind of open letter. you got to choose. You can be an activist. You can be a crusader. But you can't work in a newspaper that has rules against this sort of thing. Originally, Semaphore said it was nearly a dozen journalists at the LA Times. Now, uh, one of the signers of the letter said it's closer to more than three dozen. So, I mean, they're not being fired. They're not having their salaries cut. They just can't cover this thing they so clearly, using the word genocide, accusing Israel of genocide, clearly have strong and passionate feelings about. Now, it seems to me the genocide comes from the other side. When you have um, a terrorist group committed, dedicated to a mission of eradicating Israel, killing as many Jews as possible, mutilating and burning to death elderly people, children, babies. I mean, it's just, we have to remind everyone, the world, now and then, that that's how this war started. So that's what the LA Times has done. Number four, uh, interesting uh, this is a follow-up from that New York Times poll that drove everybody crazy, uh, created a panic among Democrats and some media, liberal media types, that Joe Biden was on track, you know, a year out, to lose the presidency to Donald Trump. In five out of six key swing states that will undoubtedly decide the election, thanks to the Electoral College. Because remember... Biden won by 7 million votes last time. We'll see what it is this time, but that's not how you determine who's the next president. You determine it, of course, with who gets to 270 or more electoral votes. So this piece says that Kamala Harris performed slightly better than President Biden. You know, she gets a lot of bad press about somebody who couldn't possibly win the nomination if Biden were to somehow step aside. Uh, She did particularly well among young and non-white voters. Voters who were key to Biden's 2020 victory, but who polls, this poll suggests, uh, are less supportive this time. The voters who backed her, but not President Biden, about 5% of swing state voters would have given Biden the lead if they had supported him. So there's a group there, particularly young and non-white, where the relatively unpopular vice president does better than the president. Uh, They show the serious challenges. Some said he was too old. Yes. They didn't think he'd done much as president. That's a messaging failure. Black voters in particular said they didn't believe he was doing enough to help black Americans. They also point to opportunities. Oh, we're into the one hand on the other hand. Though many said they'd probably vote for Trump, Nearly all said they weren't excited about either option. And that Trump had personally offended them. For some, Democratic messaging on issues important to them, like abortion and the economy, hadn't reached them. 
these would fall into the category of what are called low information voters. You know, they're not on Twitter. They're not watching cable news much of the day. You know, whatever reaches them through various word of mouth or if they happen to see headlines reaches them and and a lot of the rest doesn't. Uh, So here are quotes from a couple of the people. Black woman said she likes the work that Kamala Harris did in California, where she was attorney general and, of course, a senator. She likes the way she handles herself. She likes that her skin color is like my skin color. Okay. Here's a 40-year-old artist in Georgia, woman. I just think she has a lot more to offer than the standard straight old white dude. I like the idea of a female lawyer. And I think I have one more here. Bear with me. Here's a 25-year-old garbage collector in Pennsylvania. Still plans to vote for Trump, but likes Kamala because she's a black woman. That's the, these are the quotes, direct quotes. Said he lost faith in the political system after Hillary Clinton's loss in 2016. It's important to him to just see a female, a woman in power, being that I was raised mostly by females. My father was not there. Okay. And another woman, 21-year-old financial analyst in Las Vegas. Honestly, it was more of a choice of it just not being Joe Biden. Personally, I think we were doing a lot better when he, Trump, was in the presidency. Price-wise, money-wise, income-wise, that she probably will vote for Trump. But then she said Trump has offended her as a woman. And she likes some of what Biden has done, including his support for Israel. Most, uh, listen to this sentence. Most of all, she said she strongly supports abortion rights and did not realize that Biden does too. So you're a very low information voter. And there's obviously various conflicting things here. And that's, you know, people are not necessarily consistent in all of their opinions. But, I mean, you would think if there was one thing you would know about Joe Biden and the Democrats, other than Bidenomics, it would be that they are not only strongly support abortion rights in the, after the toppling of Roe v. Wade, but they're running on it. And they're winning on it, especially in these state-by-state elections. Presidential election, whole different story because a lot more people turn out and there's a lot more issues, abortion being one of them, but not, certainly not the only one, the economy, the border, inflation, at the top of the campaign and at the, and at the forefront of many people's minds. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. All right, I want to close now with story number five. I used to cover this kind of stuff kind of eons ago when I covered federal regulatory agencies, among other tasks. And here's a piece where federal regulators are warning against two major food and beverage industry groups and a dozen nutrition influencers. They didn't have influencers when I was covering this stuff. They didn't even have an Internet. Um... As part of a broad action to enforce stricter standards for how companies and social media creators disclose paid advertising. This is a Washington Post piece. It's important because this goes on a lot. This is how industry groups in particular um, try to deceive people 
about independent, and I've got my fingers up for air quotes, experts. So the Federal Trade Commission sent letters to the American Beverage Association, a lobbying group whose members include Coke, Pepsi, as well as the Canadian Sugar Institute and these health influencers who have over 6 million followers on TikTok and Instagram. Flagging nearly three dozen social media posts that it said failed to clearly disclose who was paying the influencers to promote artificial sweeteners or sugary foods. Think about that. These people are being paid off. Whatever opinions they may hold, they are taking money, not disclosing it, and saying, hey, Coke, Pepsi, you know, sugary treats, go at it. So this could change the social media feeds of some of these influencers who now, says the Post, often rely on vague hashtags such as hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored, but sometimes that's in very small type. This follows an investigation, and this is why the Post is playing it up, by the Washington Post and the Examination, a nonprofit news service, and which found that these posts often fail to disclose the names of sponsors. You know, in the old days, uh, industry groups and lobbying efforts would do this with letters to the editor or op-ed pieces where they would pay off some serious-sounding professor to take their point of view, and that would not be disclosed. And then, you know, I remember writing stories about this, and the editorial page editor would say, oh, you know, we asked the question, they didn't answer, or they lied to us. American Beverage paid a dozen nutrition influences for videos. We all know that everything we see on a video is true. Uh, that sought to undermine health warnings from the World Health Organization about aspartame, uh, the artificial sweetener in many diet sodas. Canadian Sugar Institute, same thing. Paying people off for videos. The FTC said the, in its warning letters that these type of disclosures were inadequate because social media users could easily miss them. Well, I was right. I talked pretty fast today, but we got it all in. Uh, I, this kind of thing, it's just lying. I mean, I don't, you know, if it was in a courtroom, you could be convicted of perjury. Or maybe it would be, you know, omitting material facts about the product that you are endorsing. In any event, uh, Media Buzz on Sunday, 11 Eastern. It's a moving target right now. Got to figure out more things to get in, but I definitely want to get in the uh, TikTok, the TikTokers Embrace, Osama Bin Laden, which is just insane. Insane. These people hate America or what? Elon Musk on uh, embracing an anti-Semitic tweet and then trying to backtrack. The war and a whole bunch of other things we will be talking about. Hope to see you then or hope you'll see me then. Thanks a lot, folks. Have a great weekend. Back here Monday with more BuzzMeter. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts and via Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.